know what uh, that what, what I think of as you're talking is just how you know we, we sometimes we get down on people who go for help because they're dissatisfied and they're struggling but it really is an opportunity for someone to become closer to God deal with what's in our life so that we can become closer to God instead of being ashamed of hey I'm, I'm struggling you know something's wrong with me when in reality something's right and then our soul's crying out I like how you said that soul crying out for for really God and yet we're finding these substitutes right hello This is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Episode 7. Today, Worley and Danina are joined by Danina's sister and fellow counselor, Amy Soderquist. This episode is part one of three on Chasing Freedom, a biblical understanding of our longings and the problem of idolatry. Here's Worley and Danina. Today's a special day. We are in Northwest Arkansas with my sister, Amy Sodaquist, who um, is going to join us on our podcast today. So this is a first for us and just um, doing it with someone else and a first for her. So we're excited about it. Yeah, just thank you, Amy, for for coming and doing this with us. Amy is a fellow counselor. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and also a professional counselor, licensed professional counselor in Arkansas. She's been in practice, private practice, for 23 years, so quite a while, and then uh, also works with uh, Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas. So we're, we're grateful that you're with us. Thanks for being here. Amy is talking about something that's really important to all of us as believers and believers who want to live from our redeemed hearts, and that is that Christ has come to set us free. And she has given a talk, and this is a part of her, her, her ongoing counseling practice with people about just helping believers uh, to not live in bondage by dealing with and addressing our idolatry or idols. And she's entitled this talk, Chasing Freedom. So, Amy, again, thanks for helping us out here and just for what you're going to provide for us. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I do think this is very vital. And so when I was asked to speak on this topic and how it might pertain to different personalities, I just uh, quickly said yes, because it's something I do on a regular basis in my counseling practice. I do believe that um, we spend a lot of time trying to find freedom and chasing freedom, and we don't always do it in healthy ways. And um, so when we're chasing things that are not of the Lord, those are called idols. And so idols are those things that keep us stuck in our faith and they cause us to chase our tail and we never get to experience true freedom. So, so I did want to, I did want to comment as you and I talked before the, uh, before we recording this about that comment you made, idols are things that keep us stuck in our faith. That is a really good statement because we often think, I often think when I'm stuck in my faith and, and it's just not feel like I'm just not going anywhere in my walk with Christ that I need to do something about it. So, and, and, you know, should th- I think about praying harder or spending time in the word or maybe uh, 
um, there's ways that I need to serve more. I mean, when we're stuck in our faith, we always think about trying to do something. But in fact, here, you're, you're calling us to something that's really biblical about, look, look at the idolatry of the idols in our life. Yes. And there is a verse, that's John eight thirty six that says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's recognizing those things that we put in the place of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is good things that we're putting in, the, in that place. And we were all talking before we started this, just Amy was saying how this is such a root thing for her to look at with counseling in her counseling practice, and and Morley and I are in agreement with that, that this is something that um, is foundational. And I can remember being in graduate school with um, my intern who was counseling me and um, her saying to me, you know, Danina, you've made an idol out of emotional safety. Mm. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean by that? But going down that path for me, as I was being counseled by, you know, an intern um, through our graduate school, really was quite life-changing for me. And I think that's why it's even been important and foundational, something that a category I would think in. Yeah, that's why I'm grateful we get to talk about yeah. this. And you're going to help us understand what, what, are, what are our idols? What does that mean? To- so, yeah, so let's start there today um, by talking about defining, really, what um, What is idolatry, Amy? So Exodus 22 and 3 says that I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. And so idolatry is, is really that failure to obey that command. It's making an idol out of anything other than our Savior. Um, we saw in the Old Testament days they built idols like the golden calf. But today some of our idols can be in our mind. It can be our activity. It can be... Um, you know, certain things like even building our bank account because we want to be successful in that way or building our dream home, but it can even just be attitude. And so I do believe that God gives us good gifts and we need to use those gifts for his glory and as his resource that he's given us. But when we take those out of context and that's where we get our identity, then even those good things can become idols. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you're saying that um, when we talk about idols, it's actually taking, probably taking good things. Yes. It, these are not things that are, um, I mean, these are things that are God-given that then we turn into something more. Yeah, that's an important point. And that's where um, Tim Keller's he one of his life-changing statements, I think, that I've read in his book, Counterfeit God, says, he says that idols are when we take a good thing and we make it an ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, don't you all think we all know when we kind of cross that line where I take something that's good and um, all of a sudden that's the place I'm finding life or I'm finding my peace or I'm looking to find rest in that. Yes, and I think it's really like when we're living out of our flesh. We're doing it out of our own desires and not out of the desire that God has placed in our heart. Mm-hmm. And um, There's a quote by John Calvin that says, Human nature, or we can say our flesh, is like an idol factory that operates constantly. We constantly deal with the temptation to set all kinds of things before or competing with God and His preeminent place in our life. Mm-hmm. And so it's just getting things out of context for what God intended them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what a humbling quote that is. I mean, that should give us pause. 
And when we don't have peace when we live, one of the things maybe we should be looking at is, you know, it's the, it's the Spirit convicting us. Am I uh, making an idol out of something? Because mm-hmm. uh, we shouldn't have peace. And so you said a minute ago, don't we, don't we kind of know that? Well, if we're paying attention to the Spirit, I think He you know, helps us with that. And that's a good quote, Amy. I mean, to you know, to really think about our hearts in the flesh are an idle factory. Mm-hmm. Factories are constantly producing mm-hmm. at high rate. So yeah. that's a powerful quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And further, just understanding what Scripture says about idolatry in Galatians five nineteen, it says, "Deeds of the flesh are evident." which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. And that scripture goes on to just name other things that come from the flesh. Mm-hmm. But when we're chasing after those idols, that's really when we're living out of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And Paul encourages us in Corinthians just to flee from that idolatry. And so it's, it, it really is recognizing that when we are longing, when we're dissatisfied, mm-hmm. we choose to turn towards things that we think would satisfy us. And so idolatry in its, you know, barest form is when we're putting anything in that place where we're trying to find satisfaction in anything outside of who Christ is in us. Mm -hmm. And that keeps us just, you know, chasing our tail, so to speak. So whatever we treasure more than God or that thing that steals our focus, our time or our attention away from God and who he created us to be becomes that idol. Mm -hmm. And thinking about um, Tim Keller book on counterfeit gods one of the things that he says is idols are things that we love um they're things that we trust and things that we obey and um there's that process it comes from things that we love first and then you know we trust in that thing for whatever it might be i mean maybe i love my job and so then i trust in my job to provide success and provide my um you know income or provide my um you know, identity, and then pretty soon I'm obeying it. I'm a slave to slave to that. And um, he says, Tim Keller says that we have four root idols. Um, I think about this in my counseling practice, just these root idols of comfort, um, second one, approval. You know, that's that affirmation um, that comes there. Third one is control. Just, uh, you know, I find my um, peace, my life, and being in control. And the fourth one is power, just having that success or winning or that influence. So that's just a few categories just to mention from that. So when, because you both have mentioned, you know, thinking in similar categories when you're counseling people. I mean, when so when you're sitting with somebody and they're stuck or they're, you know, having, the, you know, they're restless or could be any of a number of things. You're saying you guys think about these desires or longings and th- these are the categories that you go to? I do because you think about people who come in for counseling. They're coming because they're dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. And those dissatisfactions, you know, come from longings that we have. And so that's why they're there in hopes to find resolution, to get unstuck, to feel satisfied with life. Um, and so, yes, really, I feel like in, in my practice, this is a... Uh, a foundation of mm-hmm. something that I look for with each person who comes into my office, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So really kind of you're saying what we do with our longings, where we become dissatisfied? Yes. Yeah. So if you think of idolatry, the kind of a root issue is just that being dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. 
and that there is a longing within us that um, is crying out for more and our dissatisfaction causes us to chase either new friends or you know a new spouse new clothes new home maybe we binge watch netflix or scroll on our phone because we're seeking for something we don't have dissatisfied and they're struggling but it really is an opportunity for someone to become closer to God deal with what's in our life so that we can become closer to God instead of being ashamed of hey I'm, I'm struggling here mm-hmm. you know something's wrong with me when in reality something's right in that our soul's crying out I like how you said that soul crying out for, for really God and yet, we're finding these substitutes. Right. Which can't. is really your title, Chasing Freedom, mm-hmm. because we're wanting freedom from these things, but we are chasing often right. the wrong things to find that freedom. So I like that title. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, so let's move now. You've, you've defined it, what it is, but let's talk further you, you, about how we're impacted by it. Yeah, so if we just think about that this is a very normal thing, that we all have these longings, it's it's going a little deeper to recognizing that God created that longing in us. We should all feel that. That's very, very normal to feel a void or an emptiness or a longing within us. Mm-hmm. And, and recognizing, well, why did God create it? Why do we have to live with this um this longing or what some people will term as being dissatisfied, that they mm-hmm. can they have a, a hole in their life mm-hmm. that they can't ever fill up. But God created that on purpose, really, so that no one will perish. It is this desire to feel satisfied that should bring us to Christ, should mm. bring us to salvation. Mm. But unfortunately, many of us accept him as our Savior, but we don't accept the fullness of allowing him to meet those daily needs or to come in and meet those core longings. Mm. Man, that is so good because I think it, it we, we all feel sometimes guilty because we're not sharing the gospel or we don't have a heart for people. And if we could only see that what's missing in people is this desire for God to fulfill then and we we have that if we can realize it for our own selves and that we're turning to God in our longings I think it's going to help people to be able to see other people in a different way and be evangelistic without you know that it's a way of life and being evangelistic mm-hmm I like that you use the word fullness, that we don't, ex, you know, accept the fullness of allowing him to meet our daily needs because, number one, we have to accept that, but then we have to believe that he will. I was thinking that that's kind of at the root sometimes is um, I might take half of what God has, but then I'm going to kind of trust in my false God I have over here that maybe I, you know, I can control or has a little bit more tangible side to it and so I just like that you said that word fullness that Mm -hmm. really to be full filled up with Christ for him to be sufficient for that versus turning toward my you know 
addiction, turning toward a person, turning toward, you know, um, performance, um, approval, control, whatever it is. So Yes, because our behaviors are what we turn to won't ever totally fulfill us. Yeah. So we don't ever get to experience that fullness yeah. if we're taking that into our own hands. You know, there's a there's a kind of a scenario I play out with people to kind of help them recognize where they do this because I think this is an example that all of us have experienced at some point in our life. But if you just kind of think about being invited to an event and you don't necessarily know a lot of the people that are attending, um, think about do you walk into that room and look for one or two people that you do know and you stick with them for the night? Or perhaps you're that personality or that type who likes to say hello to many people and get to know how, you know, and make new friends with everybody there. Um, and so it's, it's thinking about what do we do in those moments where, where maybe um, we're called to be a part of something that, that we don't know a lot of people. And it, it begins to expose um, things that we turn to um, to try to fill that longing. So, so I know if I go into, you know, most group settings, I'm most comfortable finding a person or being with a person and... and Going it, deep. And it used to be this way more. Like mm-hmm. Over time, I think I've been set free in this, and I think you will continue to explain this, but I used to go find somebody and I could spend the whole time talking to one or two people. Mm-hmm. And leave feeling happy with that. Yes. Because you felt heard or connected or yeah, yeah. And, and, or I felt like I helped them yes. you know that's that's probably the more me sure. that can become really could become really simple but um, yeah so that's me going into a party what, what do you how do you characterize you I would probably go and visit with a lot of people mm-hmm. initially um and that probably, if that goes into idolatry, it'd be more just wanting to feel like I belong mm-hmm. um, there. So if I can visit with a lot of people and know a lot of people, I would feel more like I belong. But probably my personality then will settle in with somebody at some point because I would be like you in that, in that, you know, kind of my spiritual gift of encouragement would want to encourage somebody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'd want to, you know, make sure I left there feeling like I had... Yeah. Made a difference with somebody. So, so, so what about for you? Well, and I was going to oh. ask you too. So, Amy, I mean, with us, we there's some good things in what we do, but probably some things that we're doing that also become can become idolatry. Right, because it's it's about not feeling exposed or vulnerable in those situations, mm-hmm. and so we we perform in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to feel like we fit in or that we don't stand out. I mean, I was just thinking, I I know I've certainly matured in it over the years, but I I would be that person who would maybe find the one or two people um, that I had something in common with or I could visit with. The interesting thing is I've, as I've grown older, I almost look for that person that maybe used to be the me trying to find where to fit in (laughs) and go talk to them so that they don't have to feel Mm. (laughs) exposed or, you know, um, but but I do think it just it brings out in us, I think as women, you know, we kind of have that core need to be known or valued or seen or loved. And so we can quickly turn those kinds of things into an idol. And I think that type of a scenario can begin to expose that. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Wow. Wow. That is such a practical way to think 
about and reflect on ourselves. So I think for a man, similar things of wanting to be valued or perhaps seen, I think for me that's not, well, it could, it could be something that's important. But I think just living with confidence, you know, so I was always more secure if I was with one or two people. And if I were just going around meeting everybody, I felt a little out of my comfort zone. So, so that opens up, well, where do I feel most confident? Um, and again, I think you're helping us to expose, you know, us. I think men also like, not only like to be confident and seen as confident and feel that way, but respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we know that's very biblical. Yeah. A core need for a man is to be respected. Values. Yes. Yeah. And, and I just think all of us are, are have that longing to be known, to be truly known. Mm-hmm. And we're so afraid that if someone truly knows us, then maybe we won't be loved. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, underneath that core need is just this fear of re- rejection. And so when we enter into a room of people... You know, we're performing in a way that we hope that we won't experience rejection. Mm-hmm. So um, we kind of go into what I call self-preservation mode. Mm-hmm. And so in that type of a situ- situation, we're either going to self-protect. So we're going to hide our bad parts so that people can't see them. And then hopefully we'll feel light. But the downfall of that is that we never get to truly be feel known or respected because mm-hmm. we're too busy hiding mm-hmm. Or we can go the other direction where we self-promote. And so we show off our good side and we flaunt that in hopes that we will be liked. But once again, we never get to feel fully known because we're only performing. Mm, That's good. So whether in our attempt to feel seen or respected or accepted is through self-protecting or that self-promoting is we're exposing, you know, just the key truth that the number one false God in our lives is ourself. Mm -hmm. And that so often... We're just simply in bondage to ourselves. Mm. And um, that desire to be known and loved, you know, is just a very deep longing. And that longing should drive us back to Jesus. But when it doesn't, it just swings open the door for idolatry to march into our life. And we turn to counterfeit things. Mm. So these are hard things to look at, if if we're honest. Because I think there's a certain amount of pain or humbling that should come that it's become many things we do become about ourselves instead of about God. But really that's what the scriptures uh, will expose in our hearts again and again and again, that in our fallenness, we are people who have turned our own way, turned to ourselves, not turned to God. And so the exposure of these things, while painful, can unstuck us. Yes. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com where you'll find blog posts, free podcast episodes, and they've just launched the Redeemed Hearts Ministries video store and subscription memberships. Worley and Danina will be putting out monthly videos that go deeper into matters of the heart with tips and tools for life and relationships. It is our hope that these videos will further help you mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually as you live from your redeemed heart. And be sure to check out this month's videos on worry and anxiety. 
Again, visit the website to check out the different subscription levels that are available, and each video is also available for individual purchase in the video store. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.